Welcome to the Loose Lips cast. My name is Nina and I will be your host today. Today we are interviewing the band Chicken Happen, a local Chicago punk band with uh, the lead singer Lily Choi. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Later, roadies. And then, yes, now the mic is picking up. Okay. So cool. All right. So this is episode one. Yay. Burr, 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 burr. Yay. <laughs> okay. So first, let's, so that way in order for me not to mispronounce names, uh, guest, would you like to say your full name and pronouns in the mic, please? Um, my name is Lily Choi and I'm she, her. Excellent. So, my name is Nina. I will be your host. She, her, or they, them. It doesn't matter. This all changes all the time. Nice. Um, but, no, first of all, I want to say that I appreciate you <laughs> just, like, trucking over here in this shy, Berean weather. <laughs> For sure. And, like, going through the unsalted ice outside of my door. <laughs> so, I appreciate it. Was it really hard coming here? Um, I got really lucky because... My boyfriend dropped me off. That's nice. So it was really nice. <laughs> so I just had to brave the sidewalks and it was fine. That That's so relatable because, okay, I don't know how to drive yet. Okay. And so my boyfriend, uh, bless him, he always <laughs> drives me like everywhere. Oh, that is, it's the best, right? <laughs> I just, oh, that's really toxic. I think it's kind of toxic on me because it's like, it enables me not to learn. I anger. know. Yeah. Yeah. I do drive. Mm-hmm. I actually work in the burbs, so I drive a lot. Okay. So it's nice. Like, my boyfriend, he works from home, uh-huh. so it's nice that when we're in the city and I'm, he's like, knows I drive a lot, so he's always offers to drive, and I'm like, that's sure, so nice. yeah, I don't want to drive. That's I hate so, driving. That's so nice. Yeah. I. I don't relate to that struggle, and hopefully I don't relate to it soon. Because it's like, especially in the city, there's like public transportation. Right. Like everywhere. So. I know. It. I didn't have a car for a while, a long time, until I started an office job. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, did you like clerical work? Well, no, I, um, I work for my parents, actually. Oh. So like a family business. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. What do they do? So we, um, we sell like organic bee products. It's like bee, like bzz, yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah, like honey, royal jelly, propolis. Do you guys have a company? It's, yeah, so it's like geared towards. I work with like only Korean people and Mexican people. That's so awesome! I'm yeah. Mexican. Cool. So <laughs> it's very, you know, it's it is really nice. Like there's some cultural things that are difficult. Yeah. Because of like old school mindsets. Right, for sure. Which really suck. But in general, I feel like really lucky to be able to work in a Korean community. And I would imagine too, you can say if I'm wrong, that you, even though there's a lot of OGs who are probably stubborn, you, but like the other side of it is like you take like old school cultural methods from like the past. For sure. Rather than like, like white Western, like methods of agriculture. Absolutely. That is like kind of like what the business is based in is right. like more Eastern medicine kind right. of practices. That is so dope. I yeah. didn't think that related to bees at all. So that's... Oh yeah, bees are amazing. It's like we owe them so much mm-hmm. and the, the amount of bee byproducts that are useful and helpful to humans is amazing. Yeah, It's for wild. Sure. They're the coolest. For sure. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And speaking of which, that segues... What do you love about the city? I love Chicago so much. I've never... I love that question because... I know, I, too. <laughs> I've never 
felt like I wanted to live anywhere else but Chicago. And I almost like feel lame about that because people are like, you know, go live somewhere else for a while, you know, just do it because just to do it. And I've done like a fair amount of traveling when I was young. I was really lucky I was able to do that, like being able to go to Korea and mm -hmm. whatnot. So experiencing different cultural things. Um, but I just love living in Chicago. And there, it, like, I think the greatest thing about Chicago is it offers you any experience you want. Mm. It's there. You're a homebody. You just want to like stay home and like order in and whatnot and stay cozy. This is your city. If you want to go out and have a nightlife, this is your. You can do that too. Like I just feel like every you can find a little niche for whatever you're into. You know, it it is diverse in that way where you can find like whatever you kind of want to do. You'll find a community. I feel like that is out there. You know, I relate to that hardcore because, okay, I went to college at Wisconsin-Madison. Oh, okay. And so I, I sort of wish before I and I went to college at UW, I wish I would have, like, not taken my city for granted and took mm -hmm. the time to explore, like, more opportunities in the city. For sure. Because I think I was just so swarmed okay. to, like, break out that I didn't realize so much of what the city offered okay and as a teacher now like i i want to inform my students like hey like there is more outside of your neighborhood or your family dynamic around in the city that can offer you so much more so before you like move absolutely like you should see like what else the city has to offer so i'm really right. happy like that you relate to that too 100 percent, yeah and that's funny because i'm a cancer so i'm a homebody <laughs> And then, you know, I feel like that is a part of it, too. I just, like, put my roots down here, and I'm like, I, this is my home. Yeah, for sure. My, yeah. my mom's a cancer. Oh, cool. I see, like, I have a lot of cancer friends. They seem uh -huh. very, like, protective, but also equally annoyed by me, because I'm always doing, like, Aquarian <laughs> antics. I'm always yeah. like, let me, like, dive off this bridge, and they're just like, absolutely not. <laughs> I love, I, I get along with Aquariuses really well. I really like, because yeah. they're, like, independent. And I like that. Thanks for dealing with us, because I know we can be, like, a lot <laughs> with our, like, adventure and Absolutely. You gotta be along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Speaking, like, speaking of city stuff, like, I I would imagine you have, because my favorite mealtime is breakfast. Me and, too! Really? Oh my god, yeah. so, that, that was not scripted, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> that That's was, funny. That, okay, great. So your favorite mealtime is breakfast. What's your favorite breakfast? Okay, so I have a couple answers for this. Okay. My favorite guilty pleasure breakfast okay. is fried chicken and waffles. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And then my just regular go-to favorite breakfast is a veggie skillet with over-easy eggs. That is so delicious. Do you put potatoes in it or is it just like... Yes. Okay. I do potatoes for okay. sure. But wait, how is it a veggie skillet? Does it have an egg? Yes, I do. I like over easy eggs. So how's it? I love all eggs. Actually, <laughs> I'll eat eggs anyway. No, eggs are so versatile. Yeah. Like in that scene in Shrek. I don't know if you've seen Shrek. Yep. But there's like the first movie when Fiona just like kills the chicken and keeps <laughs> yeah. the eggs and like fry. I always like that part. Yeah. That's my favorite part. Um, 
But speaking of chickens and speaking oh of my eggs, God, yeah, you, this is not scripted, <laughs> y'all. This is not scripted. That's I, so funny. This is so great, and I'm so lucky because I was I was testing this out with my sister, yeah. and I was so awkward. <laughs> I was so like, it was like, next question. But no, I'm happy this has happened organically, and now I'm gonna stop talking so I could kill still be organic. For All sure. right. <laughs> so like, how did chicken happen? Happen? Like, how did that happen? So. It wasn't, okay, so I have, okay, I guess we could start, like, way from the beginning. That's fine. Like, you guys yeah. have been around for 10 years. Um, I've always grew up playing music, just, like, so typical piano and violin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then in high school, I wanted to learn how to play guitar, uh-huh. and I kind of, my dad got me an acoustic guitar, and I just kind of taught myself through, like, chord books, and... Mm-hmm online tabs and I never like I don't feel like I really I got to like a certain level but not not really that good and I carry that out until college and then um a friend of mine the first time I ever start was in a band it was just this really cheesy um like a a cover band oh cute I love yeah cover bands are great though and I played keyboard um and I never really kind of decided that I kind of dabbled in writing my own music in college, but it's like when you first start writing music and everything's so like melodramatic and cheesy, and I never really shared it that much um, up until I moved to Chicago mm. after I graduated. And um, I had lived at my parents um, when I first came back. And I didn't know anyone, and I was just so bored. And I just, so I just was, like, writing music on acoustic guitar, kind of, like, not really sure what to do with it. And then I had a friend who was from college who lived um, back by where, by Chicago. She was like, hey, come with me to this show. Um, it, it, was, it was actually out in Elgin. Oh, Wow. Was that one Elgin? It was an Ian's party. I didn't even know it at the time. And uh, she went, she wanted me to come with her to go see this band Elephant Gun. So I went, I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Um, I like immediately got swept up in it all. And I was like, man, I want, I was like, I want to be in a band. Like I want to do that. Oh, that's so cool. And um, my friend's boyfriend at the time, this is Zach. He was, I, we had like gotten drunk one night and I spilled my guts about how I was like, listen, I have these songs that I've written. They're just, just like really rough on acoustic guitar. And I, I kind of think like, I, I want to do this band thing. He's like, okay. He was so supportive. He was like, I'll hear, I want to hear your songs. I would totally be interested in, in starting a band with you. Um... And he just was like, keep on writing. He was super supportive about it. And then the next time we hung out again, also drunk. And I was like, hey, uh, <laughs> here we are. Do you want to hear? You want to hear some songs? And so, um, much to my roommate's dismay, at like a very late, late hour in the morning, I showed him uh, some songs I had written, and he just got so excited, and he was like. Let's do this. I think you, you know, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, like we should, we should start a band. At that time I had, um, our, 
from my friend Jim Coleman, who I was in a previous band with, um, called Your Mothership. Wait, he, your mothership or shit? Your mothership. Okay. This is becoming like now this long convoluted story. No, it's not. It, it, no, but, I was but like, like, wait, like, oh yeah, no, there's this part to it too. No, but that's okay because like I, what I noticed with the scene is like that's just how it happens. Absolutely. Like friends come together like are not inebriated to create like music <laughs> and it might be loud and it might be rowdy and it has like different side stories. But honestly, like, I feel like that's like... Like, as I'm studying, like, music scenes, like, that's how it happens. Absolutely. Like, that's how, like, the Ramones happened, where they were in Queens, and then they were talking with friends, and then those friends were talking with friends, and they were like, okay, sure, let's just do this. So, it's okay. For sure. (laughs) And that, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, that is exactly how it happened, you know? My friend Jim, he played drums, and um, our old band, Your Mothership, was no more, because our lead singer and he uh, went to go study abroad. So we're mm. like, we, we need to do something else. And he was gracious enough to like, be like, well, let's do your songs. I'll play drums. And then we got Zach to join and we were a three piece. Like we just started practicing. Um, How long ago was this? Went, so this was in 2000. I think it was in late 2010. Okay. Yeah. So That's yeah, nice. it's been, last year we were a band for 10 years and it kind of blew me away. I was like, oh my God. That's it's, amazing. It's been so long. In 2010, I was a rowdy um, middle schooler. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> but no, yeah. So, okay. So it's 2010. So we're right there. So in between those t- 10 years. So a lot. A lot. A lot, a lot and not a lot at the same okay. time has happened. We've gone through like a rotating cast of members. Right. I heard about that in one of your interviews in yeah. um, the Chicago Surf, I believe, where mm, you guys yeah. were going to be like a triad rather than a forad. So. It just was too difficult trying to make the pieces fit together mm. with four people. Um, it just would never work out for one reason or another. Was and there creative differences? I wouldn't even... It's not even that it's creative differences. I think what we realize and why we're a three-piece now is that Mark, Zach, and I, we're just on the same page. Okay. We have the same music philosophy. Mm. We have the same life philosophy. So it just works. So it's so easy for the three of us to get on the same page, and we were finding it was hard to find another person to get on the exact same page as us. You know, that how lucky can you be to get three people on the same page so we're like let's just go with that yeah if we have this this works we can make it work mark you can play drums you know and um i am not a great guitar player but i make it work and you know uh we decided to do a three-piece and it's been i i think we've all grown so much after making that decision it just kind of everything fell into place i think as musicians it just works for us. That's so great. And yeah. I'm happy to hear that. And uh, to relate like to your sort of trying to find that partnership, I relate to that hardcore as a teacher because mm. so there's this dynamic in teaching where it's called co-teaching where you have two leaders in one space. Okay. And I also noticed that in which like in order for these two people to cooperate, they almost either have to be friends or have like the same kind of like, the same 
the same goal and same energy. So, like, right. I definitely relate to you where, like, if it's a three, that works out better because you all, like, relate so well. Right. Why not? So, right. I definitely relate to that. And speaking of, like, since we're now talking more into music, again, this is another great segue. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. I'm just so pleasantly surprised because I'm. You all, just wrote I'm... the question so well. <laughs> thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank smooth. you. Thank you. All right. So, all right. So, in one, in your LP, let's be real, I noticed there's like, first of all, I really appreciate that LP because I think in the punk or subcultural scene, it's so like masculine that. There's, it's not really common for people or bands to talk about, like, vulnerability. So, mm -hmm. like, in Let's Be Real, there's so much rage about being devalued by an individual and not belonging. And as, like, somebody who is uh, both, like, non-binary and cisgendered, um, I relate to that. Because, again, like, I don't think we talk about a lot in the scene about, like, like intrapersonal feelings. So, mm -hmm. where did that come from? Um, I think, you know, just that, that, because I struggled from the very beginning to try to kind of find my place within a music scene that I didn't really ever feel a part of, you mm -hmm. know, I have I feel nothing but grateful to anyone I've ever played music with or ever been in a band with. It's been nothing but great experiences, but at the very core of it. It was just always me, this, like, Asian woman, lady, girl, mm -hmm. trying to fit into this white dude world. Right. And um, I think in the beginning especially, I just tried way too hard to kind of mm. fit into that or try to, like, in some ways emulate it or try to find my place in it to be accepted in it. And I think what happened more so was, like, these feelings of rage of like, mm. of, you know, just like, yeah, not just realizing I don't fit in or be constantly being reminded of the fact that no, I am different. Mm -hmm. And also just, you know, feeling lots of feelings of being ignored mm -hmm. and just like not seen. And I don't think I really realized it at the time when I was writing those songs that I was just like trying to process those feelings of feeling other. But I think that's absolutely what was happening. When I look back on it now, and I, when I look back on a lot of the beginning of uh, Chicken Happen and me trying to define myself as a musician, it was hard then because I just wanted to be, I wanted to be taken seriously and to be able to play shows with bands that I thought were cool. And I felt like it was difficult at the time so and I'm like the kind of person who if I'm who if I feel like those kind of injustices I'm like it makes me angry and fuels me more instead of being like well I'm just gonna not okay For you know sure. it kind of yeah. fuels me to be like well no can I swear <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely yeah. okay <laughs> yeah like, no fuck that like fuck these people I'm gonna show them that I can I can do it yeah so yeah. And like it's a lot of that, I guess. No, that's so, that's so great. I and I mean that very like gen like very tactfully because it is a struggle to be, like just in a, existing in a space that like you feel in your heart like this is what I want to do, 
but why at this point in time do I not feel like I belong? Like, it shouldn't have to be my identity, like, to make it an obstacle for me not to do what I want to do. Right. And that being said, like, how did you persevere through that? Because, like, obviously, like, you did now that you're still in the band for 10 years. How did you persevere through that? You know, I'll say that Chicken Happen has always just been an outlet for me. Mm-hmm. It's been an outlet for my rage, outlet for, like, all my... I'm, I'm a cancer. I'm ridiculously emotional. Hell yeah. So it's just always been an outlet for all those emotions that run through me. And, um, I don't, it's also just been so much fun and I feel so lucky to all these songs. So kind of how it's, it's always worked and still to this day, pretty much is like, I write the bare bones of the song and then I bring them to Zach. He's always been my like writing partner, I guess. I bring him to Zach and I'm like, hey, I wrote this song. And he'll listen to it and he'll be like, I know exactly what you're going for. Mm. I know exactly what where you're trying to go with this song. And then along with Mark, we would just like create the song together into a finished song. And it it's just has been so much fun to watch all my ideas come to life. Yeah. So that's really what keeps me going doing it because I'm at heart a music dork and I just love being able to play music and I think that's really one of the only reasons we're still a band is because we both we all just love we love writing and playing music together and we love what comes out when we write together and play together and it's just fun and we're friends and it's why we are still doing it that's great and it's so great to like beyond friendship you feel that solidarity with like them and so i think that's really great that you can find like you're like hey this music is really meaningful to me and then you have like your band members who are supportive of that and like they're like okay cool let's do it and that is so great i mean like and i know that sounds very basic but it's like yeah that should happen but that but chemistries don't often happen in the band that is what i've learned and so i'm so i've been in a handful of bands Mm -hmm. And it, it can just be hard to get that chemistry right. It's very, it's, it's not something, no one person's fault. It's just like a feeling that's, I feel like is just either there or not. Everyone's either on board or isn't. So be able to find that I think is really special. That's excellent. Yeah. And another perfect segue about lyrics. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. I should, when I get better at this recording, I should just have sounds and just you be should. like. You You gotta press the button. Like, like, burr, burr, yeah. Burr, burr. You need your sound effects uh, buttons. <laughs> I know. Burr, burr, burr. Like, like when dogs talk. Like, yeah. It's like, hi. <laughs> yeah, I love those. Those are so weird. Oh my I God. I was like, this is, a, I don't know. I was like, am I really looking into the mind of a dog or is it like. The mind of a dog that the human wants the dog to do, so the dog is just responding because they know the human wants that. Or it, like, gives them food. Like, (laughs) if I press this button, will you give me food? Oh, my God. Me and my significant other were talking about that. Oh, crazy. (laughs) But anyways, I should have those buttons. Yeah, you should. But uh, do you think... So, you did talk a little bit about how, like, you know, your identity um, in in the scene, it was really, like, you kind of realize unintentionally how your identity sort of like made made it challenging to sort of embed yourself into the scene 
And that being said, do you think your life experience or that experience in and of itself um, shaped your approach to creating lyrics? I think absolutely, because uh, I will say lyrics are a very hard thing for me to write. Um, I think I think too much about them Mm -hmm. um, and what meaning people may find in them. And then I like get self-conscious about them. So it's not my most favorite thing to do. Okay. But I am a very emotional person. So writing lyrics just naturally does come, you know, I am, I am glad that when I'm feeling a certain way, I can just kind of write it out and then I'd say it's evolved a lot too where like before maybe all my lyrics were a little too on the nose really Mm -hmm. obvious and then just it's been fun like once because we have I've been writing and playing music for so long now kind of exploring different ways of doing things not always just doing the way you've done things forever the Mm -hmm. same way so like okay well what if I Try not to be just such an open, vulnerable book okay. on these lyrics and try something, try to write from a different perspective oh. or try to write, you know, try to write a song as if I'm writing from someone else's viewpoint. Mm. So I, you know, I, I'd say so, but in, at the core of it all, it's always ends up being personal. I yeah. think there's like no, um, way that that doesn't happen and uh, kind of like just what I've said before, mm-hmm. I am definitely a person that um, hates injustices. Yeah. So, and you know, and I feel very moved by them. Yeah. So, I would definitely say all my lyrics are in a way, in a way or one way or another, very personal and definitely shaped by um, experiences throughout my life. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of one specific experience if you'd like to talk about that i don't know um for in- i get uh i will okay this is on the very first album okay that uh chicken happen released i have a song called you don't know me and I worked at the time in fine dining mm. for a very, very, um, very intense chef who was, uh, I guess you could say he was an asshole and a lot of people really didn't like him okay. and he could be a terrible whore, just a whore to work for. And it was just like a bad week where he was being just super abusive and I was just feeling really pissed off and I was like, I got to let this out in a certain way. And uh, that's where the song You Don't Know Me came from. And I, it was just like a big fuck you to this guy who was just like, thought he was some hotshot chef. So he thought he could treat people like shit. And I was just like, this just is not right. People like this are just not okay. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. No, oh God. That's why I can't last. And see, like, I love, I love teaching because I think, I think I love giving chances to students and kids. I can't do that with adults. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't last in food service either just because, like, the the audacity of some right. people. The audacity of adults. You really get to know a lot about human nature if you oh. work in food service. Absolutely. Oh, thanks yeah. for that. But at least I got, like, we got experience from it. So. I've worked a lot of food service in my life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did 
I did more custodial because I was like, mm, okay. let me work for myself. You, you're <laughs> like, I, I can't deal with people. I'll, I'll clean. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but like going more into, I'm, I'm happy you, um, another segue. Burr, 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 burr. We're just like on a roll here. Uh, hell yeah. Uh, and Bowie's just oh, like, I know. Chill. I was just looking over and he's just looking so cute. I'm happy he's relaxed. Chilling. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of, like, since now we're going, we're segueing into your albums, um, I guess I'll just read this verbatim. Yeah. Um, throughout Vernon the USA, you show so many, I think you show so many genres <laughs> yeah. in that album. That is so cool. I always get, like, really excited when, like, different artists can, like, demonstrate, like, different types of sounds and different types of, like, kind of melodies in their albums. So, like, for example, in Subtle, it reminded me more of, like, a rockabilly gen- genre. And then mm-hmm. in the song Fallen, it sounded more blues mm-hmm. than, like, a garage genre. And then, like, Misery sounded like ska, which was, like, so fun. So, like, where did you... What Was that, like, accidental? Or where did you, like, get an inspiration, if any at all, to, like, change the sounds throughout that whole album, Burn in the USA? I think it's just very indicative of the kind of songwriter that I am. Mm-hmm. And just, I guess, my perspective on music just is that why should a band have to stick to one genre? And I think that, you know, being able to explore different genres is one of the most fun things about playing music. Mm -hmm. And I think also a lot of that stems from me as a young musician exploring and trying to find what my sound was Mm -hmm. and kind of being like, well, why does it have to be just one thing? Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that's why it's always been hard as a band because people can Mm. have a hard time defining us or labeling us. Mm. But I, I don't really mind that because it just, I am such an emotional songwriter, as I said. So Honestly, it's like just whatever comes out in that moment that I'm feeling. And sometimes it comes out a little more R&B. Sometimes there's a little more anger and there's a little more of a, a more of a rock vibe to a song. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly don't even choose it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just let it, well, I just let what wants to come out, come out at the moment. And um, this is also so cheesy, but... I did, I went through, like, a, an extremely intense Beatles phase in college. It's okay, everybody does. Right? <laughs> and, um, one, I mean, like, for me, the takeaway uh, is that I love how the Beatles, they did the same thing. They didn't care about genres, and they just, like, kind of, you know, obviously they started off in a very kind of, like, pop rock kind of fashion, but mm-hmm. then as they got more experimental, and they kind of did whatever they wanted and I think that that's awesome and I think that that's what all musicians would do I mean or whatever do whatever you want but I think for me that's what's fun is to be able to explore yourself as a musician and try different kinds of genres and don't just say like well I only write these kind of songs absolutely and like to add on to that again 100% agree and I would also argue too that I think what I really enjoy about living in the generation I do, I do see that a lot. Like, I see a lot of more, especially more marginalized groups, like BIPOC groups, like, 
they're taking subgenre or subculture in like different spaces and Absolutely. that's like awesome i think so too yeah like i think like one person who i can think of is uh blacker face who although they're like i don't know if you've heard of them but mm-hmm. they're also a local chicago punk band and it is uh, a majority uh black and brown band mm-hmm. and so what i noticed what they do like most of their music is hardcore ska but it has a lot of like more like deeper like deeper vocals and yeah. although like they're like oh yeah like people in ska or people in like not ska hardcore hardcore music and so people can make the argument like yeah hardcore music you like scream a lot but when you actually listen to let's say like a female perform versus like which is often dominated by males it's like there's a lot more different tones to it. There's a lot more different melodies. And the lyrics mm-hmm. themselves are different, like we talked about. Yeah. And how, like, lyrics are more, like, can be more beyond masculine and more interpersonal. Yeah. So, I think, like, I think it's great what you're doing of, like, A, you're just having fun with it. And B, like, you're doing whatever the fuck you want by exploring <laughs> different genres. And I think, yeah. I think that's what the scene, like, really needs, like, to branch out to be classed. Because, like... Even I find myself complaining about how, like, oh, like, the 90s scene is dying, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, a new scene is coming up. It's right. just, you know, they don't get, they don't always get their come up in. So it's really important to, like, spread out, like, different, just, like, artists. Yeah. And, like, give them platform to do that different stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. But, you know, continuing to talk about Burn in the USA, um, it's so, it's so funny how earlier you were talking about how, you know, when you were 10 years ago, when you were writing about music, about not belonging due to your identity, that you didn't realize at the time that that was how you felt. And it's so great that you say that because it seems like your album, like Burn in the USA was so contextual to like the trash fire that was like the Trump administration <laughs> and like the pandemic. And I can see that a lot in Burn in the USA because you have a lot of themes of like resistance and escapism. Um, but I could also be like totally wrong and like just like psychoanalyzing it too much. <laughs> but yeah, tell me your like, tell me your thoughts on like, you know, because on that like sort of resistance and escapism that you talk about in your album. Yeah. I would definitely say that there; those are common themes in the songs that For I sure. write. Um, and I, I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact uh, that I, um, in one way or another, feel marginalized. You know, like, it's funny that you felt like it was so relatable to that year of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think what I hope a lot of white people kind of understand is that we've been feeling this way forever right you know like we've been feeling these things and yeah i i would say you know in those even leading up to the trump administration which is kind of when a lot of those songs were written right there was just so many frustrations so many frustrations and just i'm the kind of person who just looks at what is going around me and I feel so frustrated about it and what I feel like I can do is write about it, like write a song mm. about those, about how it makes me feel. And, um, I, 
I think that like like but like I was saying with leading up to the Trump administration and like while I was writing a lot of those songs there was a lot of anger. Mm. There was a lot of anger and just like a lot of like trying to figure out still right where I how I fit into things and I think I was really starting to realize like I was starting to feel burnt out by the fact that I was in this all white music community mm. if that's how it felt like I felt like I was just surrounded by white musicians and I felt like I was drowning a little bit mm. and not being really being seen and um I think that that comes out a lot yeah <laughs> yeah and um that too is something that I grappled a lot with mm. in within the last year of just like how do I move forward, you know, realizing now that I don't, I don't want to fit into this community mm-hmm. and I want to be a part. I want to be myself. Mm-hmm. I want to maybe even find a community where I feel more safe and accepted. Mm-hmm. And I think I was grappling with a lot of those issues, um, during that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was definitely a lot of uh, yeah. those themes were going on, and um, you know, it's still it's still something that I'm not really sure what the answer is, and I'm not really sure how to move forward as a musician, um, especially now things are so weird, and then also everything I just cannot help. It's not even what I want, but my, everything is painted by my differences now Mm. and I can't help it because Mm. I no longer feel comfortable being the only non-white person in a room. Mm. I just don't. And I don't want to, I don't want to play a show where I'm the only non-white person. Mm. I have no desire to do that. So, you know, those things were bubbling up for a long time, I feel. And, um, I think, you know, those themes come up even more so now in my, in we have a album that we're working on now. Yeah. Where I really kind of was just like, I really want to just write completely uninhibited, not worrying about what anyone else thinks at all, not trying to be what anyone else wants me to be and just see what comes out. Yeah. So I think I was starting to get there in mm. Burn. That was like the beginnings of that. And I was starting to gain more confidence in my voice and um that's what came out and i think that i've been continuing in that progression so yeah yeah no and then no wow that's like really real (laughs) no it is really real because like i like i think for my personal experience although i've never been in a music group i definitely identified i identified with the sentimentality of like let's say the punk scene but not with the people and Mm -hmm. i was and the way how I tried to counter that was I like trying to seek out like kind of you like more non-white people in the scene. So like Omar Ortiz, who is who is a local punk musician who he had an old band called Crude Humor. Um, he's Puerto Rican. And so I tried to meet like other like POC bands through that. Yeah. But it's like really difficult. Yeah, it it's, is. It's a hard spot because it's like venues are cool, but like. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to have as much fun playing with an audience that's not going to understand me or that I feel right. outcasted or that I feel like I'm not the norm. Right. Because, like, that's the... I think that's the problem with the scene is that it's the default that, like, the norm is whiteness. Right. And, no, especially now... I mean, it's 2021 for Christ's right. sakes. It's not that anymore. Like, it's, like, for great reasons being disrupted... Because it's never been just a default likeness. Right. Um, that's just what's being archived. And so, no, yeah, like, I I really wish you luck in your band in that journey. Thank um, you. I think, like, a couple places off the top of my head is, like, there's a, like, there's a more, like, diverse scene in Pilsen. Mm-hmm. I know there's, yeah. like, a huge, like, Mexican hardcore scene down there, which is pretty cool. The yeah. only thing I, like, oh, God, I hope I don't get, like, canceled saying this. <laughs> but, like, but, like... They are a li- they they could be more intersectional because okay. I I do hear a lot of people say like like homophobic things. Okay. But that was also like six years like more than six years ago. So maybe it has changed. Could be could have yeah you don't need yeah that's true. I would mm-hmm. hope so, but I know like I know also in the south and west side there is like a huge like trap music scenes mm-hmm. and there's also a lot of um like black and brown like drag scenes too like the burlington over here yeah yeah is a good place which i like i think they also have like some punk like venues over there we've, we've played many a nights at the burlington really? oh that's so great yeah. oh my god yeah no i haven't i haven't officially gone there yet um just because i just moved from madison from college so i really oh, can't okay. wait I really can't wait to go there and like, oh, like, here's a sticker. I'm going to give up my sticker. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Of course. But no, yeah, going back, I, that's hard. Like, it's just like really hard because it's like, I know for me, if I were in the position you were in, a a part of me would be like, like, I want to share my gift to everybody. But if some people, particularly the group in power isn't going to value that or value me or see me as other. I don't want to be uh, participating in that. So I wish you guys like luck. Thank you. In that journey. Thank you so much. Of course. And so, um, I think second, um, speaking of most recent album, another segue, burr, burr. <laughs> I should just get a bell. And just go, I, ding, ding. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Um, so in your album, maybe I'm the problem again, like going back to like your cancer tendencies, yeah. there's, there's yeah. raw emotion and I love <laughs> it because sure. like punk, like punk is all about emotion. Yeah, like, absolutely. It came from emo core mm-hmm. and then like, it became like more emotional just with like thrashing. So yeah, that's like fine. Um, but I noticed in maybe I'm the problem, like it's the raw emotion of feeling like no one is in solidarity with you. Like, For sure. you don't... Yeah, which is, like, yeah. literally what we talked about. It's, like, yeah. an audience that you don't feel that is accepting of you. Um, and sort of, like, the emotional... Like, that emotional need to be, like, reciprocated. For sure. And I, I hear that in, like, friends. Um, and No Fun. So, like, were those kind of the inspirations to friends and No Fun was, like, not getting that reciprocation from like the people around you or I could be wrong um in general the kind of theme it is such an emo album I love (laughs) it uh, (laughs) you know even with the title maybe I'm the problem it it's more of like an introspection and something that I wish more people would do 
is when they're in a situation where they feel wrong, just to kind of look inside yourself and maybe reframe it and say, hey, maybe I'm a part of the problem too. Mm. So that's really kind of the overarching theme mm-hmm. of that uh, of that album and kind of what I was going for there. And then yeah, a lot of the, like Friends and No Fun. They are. I remember when I first played Friends, my friends were like, "What did we do to you? Like, what <laughs> did we piss you off? Like, oh, this song is uh, <laughs> offensive." I'm like, "I'm really sorry. That's not how it was meant to be at all." But it was just, you know, I I think. Um, at the end of the day, what it's about is the fact that who you have at the end of the day is yourself. Mm. And, you know, friends are great. I love my friends. But who you need, who you need to be okay with at the end of, end of the day to sleep well at night is your own self. And so people are going to let you down. They're human. We're humans. We make mistakes. We fuck up all the time. We hurt each other. So it's kind of just about like... Love, you know, yeah, I love my friends and whatnot, but don't let other people define you. Mm. Yeah, it's more so just kind of like, people are going to let you down, so just be okay with that. Mm. Don't take it so hard. Accept it. Yeah. And just be okay with yourself. Yeah, and that, like, I can see that also, like, connecting to, you know, Burn in the USA, too, because, like, it's sort of like, okay, I'm feeling alone and angry but now let's like unpack that and then see okay what can I do and I can definitely see how that connects to maybe I'm the problem where it's like it's like burn was your reaction and then um maybe I'm the problem was like okay here's my solution Mm, and I can definitely see uh, it's like (laughs) (laughs) no I I do this because like rehab psychology and I have to analyze kids with like disabilities so I always have to be like let me connect the dots man that's (laughs) wild you just blew my mind there I think so though yeah that totally checks out yeah I don't mean to psychoanalyze you psychoanalyzing chicken happens lead singer through her song progression (laughs) but I mean but yeah that's cool I'm happy you don't feel like offended by that because oh, like, not at all that's good because I, I that's cool with my students they could be like Miss L like why why are you like that's scary what are you doing and I'm just like I'm just doing my job yeah, yeah. <laughs> um part of it's also the ADHD going to the synapses for sure for sure <laughs> but um uh I guess like our uh, we got time so um okay this is another verbatim, so kind of connecting back to not just Burning Music, but I think all the albums. Um, and I'm just going to read this verbatim. In my own personal experience, I think a lot of BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, have been feeling disillusioned with the constant gaslighting from like misinformation, extremist groups, and corporations telling us that our feelings are not real. And that groups in power are the ones vulnerable. I see this in your song, Friends. (laughs) I feel like I thought too deeply about this. (laughs) And uncertainty applying to the struggle that is today with the cognitive, like, uh, dissonance that BIPOC people face. Um, Do you think that was also, like, kind of a part of, like, you writing? I feel like I'm totally off, but... No, I I, I (laughs) absolutely, because... Those are things that 
have just like been creeping up on me. The older I get, the more it creeps up in the back of my brain behind mm-hmm. everything I think and do. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, yes, because unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but the older I get, like the more I, I do realize that I am different and I don't belong. And like in these certain settings, I was never would have thought about it before, mm-hmm. but I'm just so much more hyper aware now I almost don't like it, but mm. you know, just like how hyper aware of like my settings and oh, I'm like I've said, I keep saying this, but oh, I'm the only non-white person, um, those kind of things. And yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to be a VIPOC person in America right now. It just right. sucks. We're constantly, like we're just constantly reminded that we need to live in fear and that we don't belong and that we're, I don't know, it just, I never thought about it before, but just like being suppressed all the time and just seeing it all around you constantly, it is really tough. It's tough and it's tough because I, most of my friends are white. Right. And it, there's just, it's no one's fault, but they just can't really understand what it feels like. Right. And I, I think because of that fact, is why a lot of my, I guess, songwritings and feelings mm. of feeling of not belonging. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, how, like, it just mm-hmm. unintentionally, you know, comes out. Like, right. maybe the friends who felt like, like, what the fuck? They're like, you're like, oops, but that, like, yeah, they were probably white. And you were right. just like, oops, spilled the beans. Right. And I just, like, don't really care about yeah. offending white people anymore. Right. Because it's just like, I'm, the, I don't know, like, like yeah, I, the way I feel is valid. And right, exactly. It sucks. So, and you need, you should know that it sucks. Right. And it's not okay for you to do this, even though you, you feel like you don't even think you're doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But, wake up. No, yeah, and I think <sighs> my two cents is like, my unsolicited, like, advice, air quotes, everyone, yeah. is that I think as... It's obviously fine to have, like, white friends, and I think as long as you find those who, like, are like, hey, I, like, not that they get it, but it's that they accept that anger. Right. And don't hold that anger against right. you. And tell you, yeah, your anger is absolutely valid. Like, our people are a piece of work. Yeah. And, like, and also, in addition to that, like, find being active, being an active ally, and I know ally gets thrown around a lot, but when I mean ally, I mean, like, like, actually doing the work to deconstruct their own behaviors behind the scenes or not, but also, like, to be, like, your friend and to not treat you any differently just because, like, you might not be their same identity. Right. Because, like, I, I do empathize with that where, like, a lot of my friends, I would say I have a lot of friends who are white passing. So, like, okay. I do have a lot of, like, Latinx friends and I do have a lot of white friends. Um, but a lot of them are, like, not that melanin. And so... That in of itself, like, I have to be hyper aware, like, okay, I need, like, what is this telling me about, like, how I walk into space and meeting different people, but also, like, I'm happy to have, like, those friends who are critical, I would hope are critical of themselves and acknowledge, like, acknowledge that our feeling, like, our feelings are valid as people who are part of the oppressed, but also that we have to constantly be aware of, like, doing better 
for those who are like facing worse tenfold. So I I definitely empathize with you where it's like, yeah, like this fucking sucks and you should acknowledge it. And if you were my like true friend, you wouldn't feel like offended. Right. Yeah. So I, I definitely like empathize with you for sure. Um, and I guess like, wow, we're making like perfect timing. Nice. the one last question is, like, what are you most proud of in your band? Like, what is your most proud accomplishment in this 10 years? I'm honestly so proud that we are still a band. Hey. Um, I feel so lucky to have an outlet to be able to write music as, mm-hmm. like, a safe place to bring my songs and have them turned into real songs. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the friendship that has come from being in the band with uh, Mark and Zach for this much time now. And we, you know, we've written so many songs and I am so proud of the fact that we just keep doing it. Like we just keep doing it no matter what, like we don't care if people are listening or not listening, we're going to keep writing music. We're going to keep being a band. We're going to keep having fun doing it. And I do just like, I feel so lucky that I get to do it, that I found this, and that it can produce anything that people might enjoy. So I will say that's really cool. Like, I never would have thought that we'd be here. And that, you know, I really didn't know, I, you know, what what would come of anything. Um, but we've we've written like we like. Just wanted to know how many songs we've ever written, and it's like over 50. So it's cool. We're like, yeah, we've written a lot of songs, and we've released a lot of music, and we've stuck together this whole time, and I don't know. Like, it's been a really fun ride, and I just want to keep doing it. I'm excited for you guys, because, like, when I... First of all, thank you for being the first person to message for for episode one. But also, I like thoroughly enjoyed listening to your music. Awesome. Like there (laughs) are there are some moments where I'm listening to like punk music and I'm just like, let me take a break from this (laughs) ten this like hour of screaming. And no, I didn't feel that. Like I like I I listened to like your three albums just like straight through, and it was really really fun. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, that's, that's all I got. Yay, first episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay, guys, I'm going to post, uh, Chicken Happens social medias on, and then hopefully this episode will be out in, I kind of want to, like, put it out, like, tonight's night, but I know I got to give myself time. Ooh. (laughs) Let me, (laughs) let me not make room for error. But, no, thank you so much for, you know, coming. Thanks for reaching out. Of course, yeah. That made me really happy. Oh, thank you. Oh, God. (laughs) Because I've been spamming, like, every single band in Chicago. So. (laughs) Nice. I I think you're, you know, it's only up from here. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But, no, yeah, thanks for um, coming here in my literal office space, meeting both Yeah, he's so cute. I love him. <laughs> I, he was, he had his little arm out. Yeah, for, for he does that. He's just, he's so dramatic. Aww. But I'll post your socials online and definitely like give me like the hookups for that bee farm. If you guys sell okay. products. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely would like to support that. So, yeah. but, uh, later roadies and let's see if I can pause this correctly.
Welcome to the Loose Lips Cast. My name is Nina and I will be your host today. And today we are have our first episode of the band Chicken Happen with Lily Cho. Um, I hope you enjoy the first episode and we're happy to have you here. Later, roadies. <laughs>